So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. And the Northern Tour continues. Here we are back with another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. Archie, Toby and Leo um, in a, from a very, very depressed part of the world lately after um, some results that, I mean, it's it makes you ask a lot of questions and they, they're not being answered at the moment. Each week, more and more questions being raised, especially from the Wallabies side. Um, multiple games over the weekend. We had Ireland take down Fiji in Dublin, 35-17. Uh, the Fijians started hot, then copying multiple yellow cards and a red card in this one. Italy, Australia, I can't even bear to say that result at the moment, so I'll move on at the moment. England took down Japan, bit of a walloping 52-13 there. Um, Wales take down Argentina that had a bit of that hangover from that win over England, 20 points to 13. France versus South Africa, this was the exciting one, and Razi's taken us through all the inconsistencies and problems with the refereeing. I thought Wayne Barnes did a great job with this one. 30 points to 26, the French take it um, and continue on their winning ways. Red cards on both sides of the ball for this one. And Scotland, New Zealand, Scotland, after going down early, had every chance to take out um, a win against New Zealand here. They really thought, I thought they had it, thought they had it for most of this game, but like we always see um, New Zealand come back and hold out in the end um, to win that one as well, 31-23 to 23 at the end there. Boys, do we have to talk about the fact that Australia lost to Italy for the first time ever, 28 points to 27 in Florence? It's been one of those years. The Scotland result would have um, would have just been another one in the trend yeah. of yeah. Firsts with um obviously Argentina's been doing a lot of the the hard work in firsts, but yeah, I guess it's gonna happen at some point. And uh unfortunately it was only just by the barest of margins, um, a late kick that Donaldson couldn't convert and that's that's gotta hurt. Like it, it sucks when we, it comes we down never to should have been in end. that situation though. Like we never should that's have been right, having to right. win it with a try after course, the siren. Of course. Um and you know, and we we keep doing it to ourselves and we've had a couple of miracles and then we've had these these other ones where we're ahead and we lose it or you know we're ahead and then we hold on to the ball for too long and gets taken away and it's just uh it's just that inconsistency it's it's part of our part of our makeup at the moment they really need to shake it yeah and i think that we just set ourselves up to fail with the the way this team was selected so i think it's not completely surprising that this happened and Italy have been steadily improving over the last couple of years. So what can you say? I mean, Rennie's made some bungles on this tour. We could have been zero from three. I think his job could have been on the line if that was the case. He's not going to get the renewal, I'd say, for 2024. Um, But it looks as though he'll be back through to the next World Cup unless things dramatically change in the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, just wholeheartedly disappointing from a Wallabies fans perspective, you know, 
people are getting up to watch these games. They're paying attention more than they ever have on this spring tour, and yet we're not delivering results. And we're making people not really believe in the prospects of the Wallabies for next year, which is it's sad to see. So 12 changes in this team um, from the French team. That seems to be the biggest thing. And Toby, you said it again, selection seems a problem. Do you think um, that we should not be experimenting now at all with different players? We should be trying to choose our best 15 and just sticking to that every single test from now until the World Cup? No, I th- look, I think there's there's still room for exper- experimentation and blooding, you know, players that we think have earned their spot in the team, but I think it should be done one or two at a time unless it's injury-enforced. I don't think we should be, you know, rotating half the team out. It, you know, sure, it's a five-game tour. It's back-to-back games. There is going to need to be some players sitting out if they're not quite 100%, but... This just seemed like a banana skin game and we just played right into their hands. I would love to see Marky Mark get an opportunity, but within a settled back line. At the moment, we can't offer that. And so you're setting up these young guys to fail when they come in and even putting on Donaldson late in the game, that's another issue, but it's setting him up to fail. Um, so I think that's really disappointing. Yeah, I, I actually do lean more towards um, not changing the lineup at this point, like how are you going to simulate the the World Cup environment as best you can? Like we're in, we're based in France. We're playing a game a week in the in the World Cup. Obviously, in the pool stages, it it, it ramps up slightly. It sort of play four in three weeks thereabouts, um, and and you're going to rotate players through that because you've got a couple of weaker sides. But when it comes to the crunch and go quarters, semis, final. You're basically, you basically, you might be playing your biggest pool game last. You're going to have four big games in a row. You're going to be playing your best possible team um, of, of healthy players four weeks in a row. This is a five weeks in a row tour. Like, why wouldn't you try and keep um, a bigger core so you've got some more combinations, you've got a steadier set piece, um, you've got your pivots there just laying down minutes. Like, give them an opportunity to... to expand their play against a slightly weaker opposition so they've got a little bit more time they can you know practice executing under a little bit less pressure than the real pressure cooker situations of France and what will be Ireland um that that for me uh, you know all those guys go on tour because you make up a squad you need people to train against you need more people in your system you want to give them opportunities but I, I feel like this point 12 months out the way they set themselves up in France with their with their base there, um, to me, I, I think it's a mistake to have gone this many changes this late. Um, and you certainly have much less of a license to lose games like this a year out than you would, you know, the first one or two years of the World Cup cycle. And I'd be happy to back those sort of rotations against a team like, say, Romania, Namibia, those really, those minnow nations where we can still win convincingly with lack of cohesion. But Italy, we showed them disrespect. It came back to bite us. They're a team on, on the on the improve, as Japan has been in recent years as well. This is the um, most positive we've ever been about parody. Italy on this whole podcast. 
Well, look, I gave them plenty of disrespect over the years, saying oh, they should yeah. be out of the it's Six Nations. It's very easy from Six Nations, just looking at that from the other side of the world and now. But they, they beat Wales this year. Yeah. They've they brought in a, a Kiwi coach, I believe. There's, you know, that's happening throughout Europe. There's a lot of Southern Hemisphere influence in the coaching ranks in the UK, you know, kind of scattered around the place. I think it's only it's only good for the game. We've got a top ten now, where or even a top twelve, really, where on a given day, you know, one team can beat the other, and there is parity there. It's not just about the top three or four teams in the world. You know, these games are a lot more interesting, and the margins are closer. So, um, you know, from a fan's perspective, if you look at it generally, it's a more competitive world stage, mm-hmm. and I think that's been good. From a Wallabies perspective, we're getting left behind here. Mm. And I'm not sure how we turn it around, to be honest, at the moment. So, and let's not forget the fact that Italy lost their frontline fly half, Garbisi, just before this game as well and had to make a late change. So not even their full strength team here. Um, So it's not like they're having a completely settled team to play against as well. So discipline again, massive issue. Still every single test, no matter how many times they say it, um, we've had the coaches come out and say they're going to be harder on this. They're going to not um, sort of just take people's words or if they're training better, people are going to um, cop and get dropped out of this team if you're having poor discipline. Based on that, on based on just performances, who are the people that you'd now drop out of contention of your frontline Wallabies 23 Um looking at this test, because I think at some point you have to swing the axe here and say enough's enough with some of these guys. Yeah, I think I sent around a, a table with, um, you know, the top infringing players from Super Rugby, guys like Darcy Swain on there, Taniella Tupo, a lot of the props and possibly Tom hookers Robinson. in there, I think. Tom Robertson was on Fraser the list. Fraser was there. Um, Fraser. I mean, that's... It's a hard one when you're an open side flanker and you're pilfering a lot. That's a fine line. Probably expected to get a few more penalties against you that way. Um, but yeah, look, I don't think we have we don't we don't have a whole lot of. If you look back to the French game, are you really going to change things much from there? I think we'll probably go back to a lineup that's very similar to that. Um, means guys like Hooper come in, Nick White comes in. Like there's a lot of experience to come back into the team, James Slipper. So I think it's positive from that outlook. But you know, if you look at our opposition, the top team in the world, do we really have a chance here? I mean, in my head, Jake Gordon loses his chance. He drops to the bottom of the rotation just from that doing that yellow card. That's just dumb play. Darcy Swain, I think, drops to the bottom of your list of locks. Um, was because he really it's... that bad, though? He, I feel like he was doing a lot of good things in this He game does well. some good things, the but ball. it gets cancelled out by the negatives. Mm. And he's shown consistently that he can't clean up that discipline. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, the, the, the victim face just doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> it's just constantly looking like, like, oh, you know what? Oh, I didn't know. Not 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 yeah, me, sir, sort of stuff. It's yeah. like no, it's too late. I so, must say yeah, no, that it's, the penalty on Fraser McRight with a non-wrapping tackle, I thought was ridiculous. Yeah, I think that was very harsh. 
because yeah. um, he obviously got hit just with his knee straight to the arm that he was trying to bring up to wrap, and that drops back. And so, I mean, that but is a consistent Burby set. Now it's being publicised that the Wallabies are the most highly infringing team in world rugby. So then the referees have that in their minds. So it's only going to make it worse on us until we sort of break that trend and really clean up yeah, that game. Yeah, you have to be spotless. Like you have to be yeah. the cleanest. Yeah. Until the headline says Wallabies have turned around, they are now the cleanest. Otherwise, exactly. in the mid, if you're in the mid midfield of that group, it's not going to be enough to change perception. Yeah, it will drag me down. Particularly when we've been losing games, so we're not seen as a winning team. You know, a lot of the time, the All Blacks, when they're at their prime, would get refereed favorably because they're expected to win the collision. They'd, you know, at the set piece, they would dominate. So referees would just have that in their mind. Right now, we're struggling for results. We're playing badly and we're infringing. It's almost the worst combination you could have yeah. in a team. Yeah, we do. We don't get the benefit of the doubt often, and we we come off week to week and in all of our kind of post match press conferences as this embattled group of people, group of players, and coaching staff. Um, and the only way to shake that is good performances. And again, I think that goes back to giving the guys who are the main core fifteen or twenty three of the team with minimal changes chance to. Not beat up on weaker teams, but just just to deliver, just to deliver a really good eighty minutes and build the confidence that it can be done. And you've really just got to lift that little bit extra and play that little bit sharper when you play the good teams, and you'll still get lots of opportunities. But this much change in rotation, I think, it just erodes that, and you get a loss, and it's just it's just such a big um, it's just such a big knock on your confidence and knock on perception. It's it's a that loss that extra loss in the column just really stands out. Mm. Let's not take anything away, as Toby said. Italy on the oh, Capuzzo. Capuzzo. How good is Capuzzo? With it, he's always one point seven seven meters. Small guy. How many times have we picked a guy like that at fullback? Like, do we just exclude these types of players and miss out on the potential because we're looking for these certain stereotype? frame for certain positions i mean i think we might like i don't, I don't think people are picking these... those sorts of players at fullback and you've got him or damian mckenzie type players who've yeah. torn it up at cheslin, times cheslin colby yeah colby and aaron say so both the, the wingers at the moment for south africa are a little bit that stature but yeah between him and as well rodney ioni um awani monty Iwani, sorry um Who's the Queensland-born guy coming back to the Rebels next year? But some good, good talent across um, that Italian back three, as well as their sort of back rowers as well. Um, so credit to them. But Australia, not good enough, and we'll see. Um, we'll talk briefly about what's what's to wait for them against this Irish team. Um, again, with some Australians uh, that will be in facing them down. Um, the French Springboks game, and if anyone hasn't watched this game, I would urge you to go back and watch watch some of the highlights. Um, again, it was a great tussle. Early red card, um, Peter Steff to Toit uh, coming in straight to the shoulders into one of the French uh, players, um, Dante, the inside centres, cleaning him up on the ground. Um, and then later on, Dupont um, got a red for taking out um, Cheslin Colby in the air here as well. So 14 on 14. Um, for a good portion of this game. But France, whether it was through just accumulating points um, and penalties, 
they just showed out and they just held on that little bit longer. But um, if you listen to Razi Erasmus, um, Wayne Barnes didn't know what he was doing in this in this game at all. Um, several tweets coming out, even with a lot of sorry and sorry broken heart emoji. Oh, he's doing it again. Razi's back. We're back with Razi. Yeah, he's uh, he's not shy, is he? Um, and and look, there's there's a point to each of his posts, each of the video clips that he shares that, that the rules aren't being applied consistently. And I think that like more more than ruling on really uh, marginal calls, it's just the fact that some of the marginal calls go one way and some go the other. And he's cherry picking uh, the ones that went against South Africa. But I mean, rugby's always going to be a game where there's uh, gray areas and some marginal calls. And if you went and picked apart uh, tests like this every week for any team, um, I would expect you to find a dozen things that were overlooked that potentially could have been penalised. And if your expectation is that each of those are called, you're going to end up with an even worse product, stop, start, stop, start. It would be horrific to watch a TMO team blowing in and and stopping the game all the time. We had that what felt like that a few years ago, the TMOs were just absolutely rampant everywhere and it was awful. Um, you just got to roll with some of these. And I think the stuff that really shouldn't be overlooked is anything that's a that's a dangerous um, strike or, or high shot on a player that's overlooked. Some of the sort of crocodile roll stuff, rolling guys out of the ruck is, is an issue that I think they should clamp down on. But look, there's going to be some passes that are pretty flat and depending on the way you, your player's moving forward or laterally across yeah, the field, they're going to look more forward or less forward. And you just got to cop that. You, you just got to take the, the the fine margins out and and you guys should be running that little bit deeper. It's just, it's just what you got to do. Yeah. So unfortunately, it doesn't look like Razi is um, going to let up anytime soon, but a little bit of Twitter entertainment, I think, every time the Springboks play, or at least every time the Springboks lose, I think something to look forward to. Um, but it looks like he's he's set um set it on his mind on being a Twitter commentator. It doesn't sound like he's on his way back into any sort of um coaching staff in the next little while because while he can do that from um the comfort of his lounge at home, I'm not sure he'll be allowed um saying that in the um with a coach's badge on anywhere at all. Um, and Scotland, New Zealand, I said it before, Scotland had every chance here. Finn Russell drafted straight back into that starting team, as we suspected. And he, he did put through a bit of magic um, in this one and really was kicking points from all over the park and keeping um, Scotland in it after a fast starting uh, New Zealand team. But two quick tries at the end of the game, get them back in front, get them back to take this one out and heartbreak for the Scottish Um who are almost as good at losing as we are. Um, it feels like they might be the Northern Hemisphere version of Australia at the moment. Um, feels like they have so much promise every time and then they just all comes to nothing. Um, but They gave us one, didn't they? Well, that's right. That's the only one we've managed to win is the one that they gave us. So, Thank God for that. I mean, what's our winning percentage at now? 36, is it? It's sub 40, yeah. Yeah, we're still. But we've not... also we've also played more tests than anyone since. Was it I think since it's the sub World 30 Cup? for the year, isn't it? We've not we've, sub 30, we've played yeah. thirty-one or something tests. I'll I'll bring up the bring up the graphic. It's quite um, a lot, and and I think the next highest was three, maybe three fewer than most teams were mid twenties. 
That's there you go. So yes, we are 39% women's heritage have played 31 tests since Rugby World Cup 2019. Um, the next highest is 28 by New Zealand, um, yeah. followed by Argentina. I think that's actually France. less than normal because of COVID. Normally you play more than 10 tests a year. Yeah. Sure. Well, and six, that is, and six that is also only versus the rest of the top 10. So yeah. any of the games, oh. Italy probably don't quite make it into that. I think it's in the range of, say, 12 tests a year normally. If you go, so if, or it used to be three bladders lows, but if you safely say, well, two Argentina, two Salva, two New Zealand, that's six plus three in the mid-year, that's nine. And spring tour, at least three games. Brings you so to you're 12. about 12, yeah. And it could be up to 14. Yeah. Uh, so 2020 was probably years. suppressed. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think we tried to make up for it since yeah. COVID first hit. But, yeah, look, we played but, the most tests and yeah. Rennie obviously took over in 2020. That's all him. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> there's not many games next year leading into the World Cup. It's a reduced season, international calendar. So it speaks again to why we should be probably putting out our best players now to form these combinations as well as we can because we're running out of time. Um, well, we've only got, as you say, two more games to go and we kick it off this weekend versus Ireland um, coming to us on um, Sunday morning, early on, 7 a.m. kickoff for us in the eastern east coast of Australia, 9 a.m. for myself in New Zealand coming to us from Dublin, Aviva Stadium. Um, Mac Hansen's been smack-talking the Aussies and talking up how none of them have got any good chat except Nick White as well, um, really trying to stir the pot a little bit there. I mean, fair play to him. He's a man that was undervalued at the Brumbies, left for a brighter future in Ireland, has since become um, a bit of a number one sort of winger picked, it feels like, for the Irish team that have got to number one in the world, gone and taken a um, tour in New Zealand off the All Blacks um, and just dominating just generally all about at sea. So um, it certainly looks like he's he's made the right moves over the last um, 12, 24 months. How crazy is that that we haven't played Ireland in Ireland since 2017? Long time. Um, last time we played them, obviously, three test series in Australia. Do you want to try and guess how some of the players that were there for the front row in 20, 2019? For the Wallabies? Idea? Yeah, for the Wallabies. It's an interesting-looking team. Slipper? Still there? Or was no, Slipper. The no, no, Slipper. Yeah. Um, Harry Johnson. It's your, it's your old mate, Archie. From school. Oh, oh Scotty C- CEO there. Yeah, CEO. You got CEO, you got BPA, you got Kepu. Kepu. Oh, wow, Kepu was still there. Yeah. He was so we good. We got Rodder and Coleman in the second row. Um, you've got Lucan Tui at six, Pocock at eight, and Hooper at seven. Very the interesting team. Pooper. <laughs> then we got, I'll read the back line out. We'll Genia. move on. Fip- Fipsy. Fips. Ugh. Gross. Foley. Pips Foley, Beal. Curly, Curly Beal. Now, this is when we were having, I think, some of our um, struggles with 13. forming those combinations, but it worked for the World Cup for the most part. 
Uh, Pattaya, no. Karevi, Korobiti, Halep Petty, and Falau at the back. That would have been one of the last games for Israel Falau, I think. Mm. The Wallabies. Anyway, lost that game by four points in Sydney. Lost the series, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that was a good three years ago. So it is amazing how much things can change in that period. I mean, we're still going to lose, so not that much is changing, I guess. Yeah, well, you're right about that. Oh, the first Irish test, the one we won, we started Caleb Timu at number eight. That's cool. <laughs> random what name that probably... With that? probably I don't even that. remember who that is. He played yeah, for the Reds, do. man. Like you loved him. Slightly balding. Played six and eight. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wasn't around for long. No. Yeah, I, I, you I mean, know, with, with just you talk about turnover. Like, if Rennie has achieved nothing, um, well, not nothing. He's if completely if got rid achieved... of all those good players that used to win games for us. <laughs> no. Excellent. No, but, but he has he has blooded a lot of players, and I would be very interested to see. So the now we have sign. no combinations at all. No, that's right. Yeah. That that's a problem. But like you cheapen the jersey. You've brought a bunch of people in who over the next four years after next year, um, you've got another cycle and the pool of people who have been in the system at any point. Um, you know, you just hope you haven't spoiled them and their confidence. But there's there's a lot of people in that mix um who all have a lot of potential. You're not kind of the, the next person probably won't have to go and develop a whole lot of new talent because mm. they'll have a big pool to choose from and it'll just be who's in form. Okay, you've worn the jersey before. You get it. Let's move on to some more advanced stuff. So See, I think it's, I think it's, it's really going really is... to pay dividends in 2025. Oh, maybe, but the problem is... And it's Angus Bell, Toby... captain. Toby, since you sent me that video, which I think we should probably post up when we put this up as well, it just talks about like Australia's like golden age and like the fact that we had, we were purely picking from for a lot of this New South Wales and Queensland and just had these straight up combinations, these guys that play together, you know, at club level, at state level, and then at national level. And you had this perfect like sync up. And then the more you suddenly get different clubs all involved, suddenly you had all these different systems and you struggle to build this continuity and this chemistry as well. Um, and it's a really interesting way of thinking about it because you think, oh no, more more clubs, more people, more people having that experience, it's going to be better. But sometimes it's 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 not because people need time playing with each other. You think about like Waratahs club teams, those sort of things. It's the teams that are together for multiple years, which was all always the strength of the Brumbies, right? That they kept having the same team over and over again. Their backline. Their forward pack would hardly change, and they just had this great sort of chemistry between players, and that's where they seemed to build the success. Searching for that quick fix is what seems to be what we've been doing for a couple of years now, and it's not working. And you you wonder is the best thing to keep going until we find something, some diamond in the rough type sort of thing, or is it, um, or is it you got to stick with um, someone you think has promise? And you got to go, we're going to give you the time here. We're going to push through this time and we're going to write the narrative that we're building to something here. It's it's analogous to almost Australian uh, national cricket. Like you got this constant rotation of opening batsmen, this constant rotation of 
of middle order guys and the the stats for certain tours one to one don't look that great. And it's like you've you've brought a guy in for three tests and then he's out and the next guy's in and he's out, and next guy's in and he's out, and they can't settle on a spot. It's a long term game building up those stats, building up your familiarity with your with the partners, the combinations. Whereas the bowlers, you've you've had those guys who again, I mean you've got pretty much a straight New South Wales pick, right? Hazelwood, Stark, Lyon and um Cummins have been this this staple. They've all played together for a number of years. They're a good mixture of players. Um, like once you, once you get that, you can bring guys in and out and kind of develop more, but you kind of stick with that yeah. group th- through thick and thin, even when the conditions like, oh, we're going to take an extra paceman into a subcontinent. Well, yeah, tour, look at, and you look just at do the, it because they're that look at good. The Crusaders, and- like they continue those formations and they play the same formation that yeah. plays in the All Blacks, and then they continue to have success. Like. But the constant looking for the next great thing, like you, like the, the cricket analogy was like the next young opener, like the next gun. Then you know, look at this, the season he's had. It's a one out. It could be a blip, like it could be an aberration statistically. But they drop a guy who's they've just put six to twelve months into and pick the next guy. It's not. I, I've never felt like that was a, a great way to to settle a team. Um, and and the, you're right, the the rugby systems often pick people on potential. You get all the huge raps on. Mark Nwong and Itawasi and and then he doesn't perform in Waratahs and everyone writes him off and he has to work his way back and it's just this this churn of potential and when you don't see it straight away when a guy doesn't come onto the field and blitz it first game everyone's disappointed it's just such an unrealistic bar to set for all those people um, so you set some lower bars and say no we're going to stick with guys that understand the system we think the potential's there you know, is Fiketti like getting that opportunity? Even though we're like, oh, Fiketti more. Like, I, I get a bit sick of seeing Fiketti, but he's he's actually growing and he's getting opportunities. He was getting getting along before he got injured, so we need to be a bit more patient. What I what I found funny about that video arch was that people always complain about Checker picking Waratahs, and it attributed our 2015 success at the World Cup largely to. The Wallabies team being made up of a uh, high proportion Warrant. of Waratahs players, yeah. um, and that's exactly what people were, had a problem with Checker um, for doing. So, very interesting stuff, and it does really align with when the the Western Force were introduced into Super Rugby in the mid two thousands. That's when the decline of Australian rugby started ultimately. Yeah. Um, so how we fix that, I'm not sure. Got to balance a commercial product that's marketable to the general public with trying to maintain the success of the Wallabies at, at the top of the tree there. So a few things to mull over, I think, um, mm. in the coming years. But it's it was a fascinating video to watch. Well, um, we'll post up a bit of a link to it. I think it was Ben Darwin put it up from his page um, initially. So guy who knows, knows what he's talking about as well um, for you guys. But check it out. Um. All right. So, team to face Ireland here. World number ones. What are we thinking, boys? We've already heard Mark Nwangadetawasi is likely to get another start, which means that we are going to get at least some change um, from that French starting game. Um, but otherwise, it seems like we're probably likely to go back towards that um, French starting 15. What do we think? Yeah, I think the, the team's pretty predictable this week. Um, we'll be getting wide in there with Foley, bring that experience. I think the back three will probably be Nwanganita Wase, Kelaway on one on the other wing, sorry, 
and then probably Jock Campbell with his possibly his last chance there at fullback. Centers will be Isami and Ikitao, more or less, because there's no other real combinations that have been formed um, with Fichetti leaving the tour. Um, Ford Pack as well, I think. Obviously, you've got Hoops coming back in. You've got Slips coming back in. Parecki has to be there. Yeah. Um, I think Al Alatoa will keep his starting spot, given Taniella's been criticised for giving away penalties. Um, I think the biggest question is whether do you start Skelton or does he come off the bench? For me, he was one of the few bright spots in that Italy test. Um, in terms but did of he hit carry too meters. much? Was it almost dominating our style of play too much that he would just carry the ball time and time again? Um, is he better served to kind of come on and play 30 minutes and really inject himself in the team? The opposition's more tired. I'd probably give him another chance to start again, um, possibly with um, possibly with Caden Neville. Neville, I think. I, I think that's the combination. extra bulk, yeah. Yeah, I don't mind that. And then Jed coming back to six and Valentini at eight. I mean, you say, like, did he carry too much? Eight carries for 59 metres um, after a half Andy. of rugby. Like, is that too yeah, much? I mean, if you're, make, like if you're making, like, eight eight metres a carry, I mean, I'm kind of okay with that. I think possibly it was because we just had such a lack of creativity and structure yeah. behind all of those carries that it, it stood out that maybe he was impacting that too much but i think it's actually noah's just not driving the team around properly and he's possibly shown that on a couple of occasions and, and maybe that's why they they don't um have their full trust in him yet i know that he's been in and out of the team as well but the opportunities he has had he has struggled when the the forwards aren't moving forward and setting that platform would i be crazy to suggest that you give ben donaldson another um, bench spot this week. Try and I think yeah, he I gets think... it next week if he doesn't get it this week. Unless we yeah, unless we win I would this do week. It. I think it's only fair to him. Might to as well. Because I remember you're losing Foley after this week as well, so you got to start someone at ten versus Wales. And he can That's play true. fullback as well. He's a I'd bit almost, of a utility. Yeah, I'd almost put him at, on as your twenty-two. Um, yeah. If yeah. if most likely you're going to be down by fifteen points or something, come the last fifteen minutes of this game, so give him fifteen minutes. Yeah. When the game's gone, agree. there's no pressure. And then and he's got that creative attack, like yeah. the cross field kicks, the the other sort of almost angled angled through low through the line, like stuff that he pulls out. That yeah. I think my my take on a lot of those decisions or the 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 read of what's in front is. Pretty pretty good, yeah. Um, and I don't see that variety out of Noah, which which make, makes him easier to contain, especially when you're not moving forward. So, yeah, I'm, I'm for that as well. Donaldson's yeah. class. I think he'll show that he's a great player. Um, he'll just need a bit more time. I think you'll probably see it largely for the Waratahs next year. I think the Waratahs are going to be a great team, mm. um, but we'll see if he gets another opportunity. Five minutes against Italy with the way it all went down. It's not yeah. fair on him. They might want another Nick shot. White, Nick White staying on for the kicking if it's close. Yeah, yeah but if you can they just lose imagine faith in Donaldson, they'll have Hodgie there again or something, won't they? You can just say it. Mm. Late rotation on the wing, and he's just going to miss tackles. And anyway, 
So I think I don't I don't see it impossible either that um if they're not happy with Jock after last week that they could do like they're probably more likely to put someone like Hodge into fullback, but throw throw Callaway into fullback and and like change your wingers around a bit. I think there's a feasible decision. Yeah, probably means Tom Wright has to stay on one wing, no matter how you I mean, feel maybe, about him. Or maybe Pattaya gets another shot. I know oh, I'm not even... a big fan of his, but you can't can put him and Mark and Wong and... on the same. <laughs> Yeah, like, like the same there's thing. There's no room for just, brains. They'll be like half break every time and then throw the ball like 20 metres backwards. And you're like, oh, there's no one there. That's all I could Marky think of. Mark has more than one loose offload on him. Like he just loves to just offload it into yeah anywhere. It's so unpredictable. That's it. So, He's like, if I can get an arm free, I am throwing that pass. Doesn't matter if it's I'm dangerous on my own, like twenty meters away from another teammate. I'm throwing that pass and be like, where were you, man? Where were you? Um, yeah. Oh god. Um, so there were initial worries that Sexton um, wouldn't be able to play for Ireland. He has declared himself um, fit, um, stating that he would rather beat Australia than be crowned World Player of the Year from rugby. So bit of bit of passion there. Sexton wants to come out and beat the Aussies. I don't know where that particularly comes from, whether we've um he's a we've he's a fiery him. character. He's very, very competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what's the, is the world rugby is that getting crowned on the weekend and he wouldn't be able to be at the game if he wanted to be there in person or something? What's right. don't really know why that whether that got why, why is that whether a, he just bought I mean, I he has been, he's, he has been nominated points. for it, but I don't think it's being announced this weekend. Um, yeah. You get more votes if you turn up and play another good game. Yeah. So, I mean, he's been nominated with Anton Dupont, Lucanio Am, and Josh van der Fleer, the um, number seven for the um, for Ireland as well, who's probably the biggest sort of surprise name in that, at that list as well. Um, the breakout yeah. players of the year is the weirdest one. Henry Arundel from England, who's played like 28 minutes or some ridiculous low number in in the group of players, he's he's in. Just like, yeah, why, is, why is this guy a choice? Yeah, <laughs> makes no sense. Especially when Caputo's there as well, like, yeah, or even so, Ruby Tui for New Zealand women, who have um, obviously just taken out the world title as well. But we'll get to that side of things in just a little bit. Um, other games. On the weekend, boys, give me your your quick predictions um, as we go through here. So uh, we do have um, Wales hosting Georgia in Cardiff. Anyone game to tip against the the Welsh there? No, Wales by ten. Uh, sorry, it's a, it's in Cardiff. Yeah, yeah. I think Wales by plenty. I'd say Wales by twenty. Um, Italy hosting South Africa. Hmm. Probably not another upset. South Africa by 14. Yeah, I think Italy's had that sort of really, that fairy fairy tale performance. I'll come back to Earth here. South Africa fired up from a couple of couple of losses in a row, and I think they'll put at least 12 to 15 points on the Italians. Scotland, Argentina, Murrayfield. 
Very hard to say. Surely this, this is, is the one Scotland eventually wins, but it's probably a five-point margin. Do Argentina yeah, I back, have, have... I back Scotland. Yeah, me too. I, take, so I thought you guys were going to go Argentina, but yeah. No, this is their last game. I, I wonder if they've had the high point and now they're just going to kind of fade. Yeah, I just don't see... I feel like Czech is going to have a hard time motivating them against Scotland. Like, it's not quite the same, like, level that you get geared up against sort of England or New Zealand sort of thing. They, they'd probably be feeling like they can beat Scotland like on any day. So it's harder to get yeah. them up. So yeah, I reckon at home. Here's an interesting one. England, New Zealand. Game of the New week. Zealand. Yeah, I'd, I'd say New Zealand relatively comfortable, comfortably. By 18. Well, I'd love to see them. This is their last game of the year, isn't it? Yeah. Mess them up. It's two teams where almost anything could happen. You can see England winning it potentially. You can see the All Blacks absolutely smashing them. I wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't see England absolutely smashing New Zealand. I'd back New Zealand. I think they've had their tough time this year. They're, they're playing relatively up. well. It's got to be New Zealand's favourite. Got to be New Zealand. I wonder what New Zealand plus seven is. Probably like dollar five or something, but um, I know like exactly what New Zealand plus seven, seven and a half is. It's a dollar twenty two. Oh, because I put money on that. That's right. That's right. You did too. <laughs> Already uh, straight up, it's a it's a dollar sixty three for the win. Straight up, kind of feels like it covers all bases. Like I don't think England's going to blow it out. So that's value, actually. Yeah, I think I that's think a pretty good value. Dollar sixty. Yeah, just um, straight up is a good good value, really. Um, no, I like I like New Zealand in this in this game. England is still not quite firing. What what margin are you going to put um, Ireland uh, Ireland Australia at? Thirteen. Depends which bookie we're looking at, but it has to be at least fifteen, right? No. No, I'm. T- what, you're tipping, what are you guys tipping? Like. <laughs> Not what I put money on already. Oh, I thought you were asking a question to the answer. <laughs> anyway. No, um, no, the line what shifted do I after, think? after we put money on. It's now gone to 12 and a half on the New Zealand TAB. I think, look, we always write the Wallabies off and that's when they surprise us. I don't it's think every second win. week, man. It's one up, one down. Well, this tour has been slightly different in that yeah, I guess we probably should have won against France. And we probably and we should have won against, against Scotland. Scotland. So, yeah. yeah, I guess. And Italy probably should have beaten us by about 15 points because they left so many of their kicks out on the field. Um, I think it'll be Ireland by, say, seven. Yeah. And France-Japan, last game of the weekend. Yeah, France, France by 24. France by plenty. Excellent. Um, and that pretty much wraps it up. We really only have two more games of the year after this weekend, which is um, Wallabies, Wales and England, South Africa um, next weekend. So two quality matches coming up there as well. But again, remember that is outside the um, international window. So we will see some slightly different teams um, coming up and being named for these these games as well. Um, 
The other thing we have to mention over the weekend is the Women's World Cup concluded in front of a sellout crowd at Eden Park. We had England, the world number ones, against host nations and reigning world champions, the um, Black Ferns. And England started strong. They copped a red card early. They still looked like they were still going to hold on to it there. But in the end, amazingly, um, the Black Ferns win it in front of their own home crowd. Absolute jubilation um, for the girls there. It was amazing scenes um, in Eden Park running around there. Um, and look, well done to the Black Ferns. They've done an absolutely amazing job. A bit of heartbreak for um, the English uh, team that were undefeated for something like 16 or 17 matches in a row. Um, and the first match to lose that streak is the World Cup final. So tough, tough shout for them. Um, but then again, this is what happens in rugby and it all comes down to that final game and they couldn't quite do it. Um, 34 points to 31, the Blackburns take it. Yeah, congratulations. Great effort and uh, never a problem seeing and lose something. Yeah, look, they won the cricket. We couldn't let them win too. So well done to the Kiwi girls. And you can just see that women's rugby continues to you know, improving quality and also viewership. I think people are getting around it. There are good a number good number of people there at the stadium for the finals. So yeah, I'd like to see the Wallaroos obviously improve again and and hopefully get to the heights that the the women's sevens program has has kind of achieved in the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. So got to get around it and yeah, I'm sure it'll keep going from strength to strength. All right, let's wrap it up. Woo! Uh, another, another pod down. Um, only a couple more left of the year, boys. Um, yep, it's been a long one. It's been a long one. Make sure you are following us on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod and liking and subscribing wherever you get your podcast. Um, we'll see if we have the enthusiasm, the energy to wake up and watch this Wallabies game on the weekend. Um, it may be that we are surprised once again, um, but hopefully in a good way this week by Rennie and his men, um, who will be looking to take a bit of revenge and stand up for their coach. Um, he's been copying a lot of flack. They've said they're going to come out and play for Rennie this weekend. Let's see if they do. Um, but for all of us at Running Rugby Podcast, keep on running. Run. Run.